Welcome to the Free Play Arcade Podcast presented to you by Book Club Coffee and their Double Clutch Cold Brew. This is not the greatest opening to the podcast in the world. This is a tribute to it because we've already filmed it. But Double Clutch Cold Brew Coffee, I have it at least three times a week. It's the Good only times. reason you're still awake right now. It's That's delicious. Absolutely true. So we're here, we're following up, we're still trying to work through this massive Kelly Ray arcade purchase. So um, many games. 120, 130 games. Not, we haven't even gotten to the parts. I we know. haven't even talked about so much of it. But right now we're talking about it, and we're going to move quick. Street Fighter 2. This was my introduction to Street Fighter 2. This is where I learned the difference between World Warrior, Hyper Fighting, Super Turbo. We inherited... Uh, World Warrior and a hyper fighting game. Like we had these two cabinets, we had some other CPS two boards. This is where I learned Super Turbo. But uh, this was actually where I kind of started to experience World Warrior, which was the original Street Fighter two, right? That Correct. is this kind of slower introduction to um, the eight different characters and not just Ryu and a Ryu skin <laughs> that was from America. Yeah, and I guess that's before Chun Li had a fireball. Correct. This, yeah. I can't even understand <laughs> that. Why is that a real thing? Um, so. And then Hyper Fighting came out. Everyone loved Hyper Fighting. Yeah. That was the staple for a long, long time. You would love it because Chen Li not only had a fireball, it would go completely across and through the screen. Whoa, Super Turbo, <laughs> it ends. Correct. Yeah, oh. it dissipates. Dissipates. Dissipates mm. is the word. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Now I need to just... Now, never mind. I just like Hyper Fighting. Super Turbo's garbage. <laughs> Fair now, enough. Now we're back to it. Uh, when we opened up, we had Hyper Fighting on the floor. This exact Hyper Fighting that we got out of the Kelly Ray deal, it was in a Dynamo uh, Z-Back cut corner... A red Z-Back. I mean, this was, for a long time, considered the pinnacle of fighting game cabinets until the Big Blue came out. Which the Big Blue, of course, was dedicated to those CPS2 games like Super Turbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess Super Turbo's kind of taken over. We're yeah. 100% on board, obviously. We love <laughs> right. Super Turbo. Um, it's got an active community, even to, at 2017. Whereas people fondly remember... Turbo Champion Edition Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting Capcom. So, so yeah, so the original <laughs> Hyper Fighting marquee did have the Turbo Champion Hyper Fighting Street Fighter 2 Edition Capcom <laughs> language. A uh, little what? bit of a, a mouthful, but you knew if you were coming out to play it, something intense was about to happen. It's and a great game, and It was though. about to happen really, really fast. But it, yeah, It is a great game. Uh, Imran had a tournament on it in Austin not too long ago that we went to. And friend of, course, of free play, of course. Jesse, another friend of free play, won it. Um, but no, uh, hyper fighting, hyper fighting is good, and hyper fighting is easily confused with hyper anniversary edition with all the compilation that has me seeing blood red every time I even think about it. The nice thing about the hyper anniversary edition was that it actually had a free play mode, free play, free play mode, mode. Um, well, which, which works great and, at free play arcade. Right. And the, the um, good ends there through yeah through a various. Uh, different devices and installation techniques, we've been able to kind of get a free play mode on Super Turbo mm-hmm. um, by using not inexpensive components, not and a ton of tech time, but uh, we now have probably the best working free play Super Turbo in the world at Free Play Richardson. Not to mention it's on a Blast City now. It's amazing. Um, it's uh, we're, we're totally proud of it. And yeah, Super, Super Turbo is the, the competitive gaming everything hyper fighting is more the thing you find in a laundromat in a movie theater but with and you're the so depth. excited to find it and it does have the depth to, to sink some time into and to to, right. to feel like you need to be competitive with it and just without the 
25 year scene of dedicated to just this game and only this game and well, any yeah. revision that Capcom made is immediately tossed aside right. in Ultra What and then back to Super Turbo. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine being Capcom and having you, keep, <laughs> you keep releasing what you think is going to be better and everyone is just like, I just want Super Turbo. Yeah. Give me Super Turbo. Which they keep getting close, but no, Super, Super Turbo is awesome. Hyper Fighting is probably right up there as the, the second best Street Fighter 2. Agreed. I think everybody would agree with you as well. So, we're going to go from good stuff to bad stuff. Uh, as part of this lot, and this is still a game we have floating around somewhere, we inherited a Donkey Kong-converted Superman. Uh, so, Superman is just a terrible game. It has been ported to most consoles. Every iteration, every version, bad. <laughs> I have it on Sega Genesis. I've played it recently. It was the worst thing that I've done, and I've played some really bad... i played... F-117 Night Fighter Super Hawk or whatever on Genesis was the worst game I'd ever played until I played Superman on Sega Genesis. What if Superman couldn't fly? What if he wasn't (laughs) faster than a speeding bullet? Yeah, it it is. What if he died every 90 seconds? It is a game (laughs) that removes all of Superman's powers and Mm. makes you just go through a Superman scenario as a mortal. Right. And it's designed just to take quarters out of people's pockets and it's not good. None of it's fun. Mm. It's brutal. Uh, we've never featured it on the floor. It has been requested for some reason, but uh, all got, games get requested. That's true. No good reason to put it on yet, ever. Uh, if, if we're gonna have a terrible games month, we can roll it right out there. So Day next one. up, we, we had those? two actual Tempests that came in as part of the Kelly Ray lot. Uh, we're gonna talk about their super rare, ultra cool Tempest cocktail that we got as part of the lot, and this one had been factory restored by one of the original Atari technicians that designed the game. Um, If we had any clue, (laughs) any clue what we were doing at the time, we would have kept this game. We sold it for an obscene amount of money. Obviously, it was perfect. It played perfect. What was really great is I had to go in there and do some minor adjusting, and I felt like I was like a a scientist going into like... (laughs) discover something as I tweaked the monitor ever so slightly and tweaked the power ever so slightly and got it playing perfect. Um, this is probably... I mean, that is definitely the best Tempest I've ever seen. Not to mention, they didn't. They made probably like 1,200 of these cocktails. This was one of those cocktails, and we had it in mint condition, as tuned, as refurbished by a Tempest creator. Uh, we sold it. Never, never yeah. seen a Tempest cocktail. It's an interesting... I mean... Honestly, it's uh, it's attractive. It's beautiful. I prefer the Tempest stand-up. Um, I think it plays better. Agreed. But there's something really cool about the package they put together for that cocktail. Well, I think that's the case with most cocktails in general. I'm, I'm a person who prefers uprights in general. But I think that there's a certain market for the cocktails. And especially if you're playing in a limited space. Right. If you're looking for something to put in your living room. If you're looking for something to put into an establishment that uh, you want to have seating. And just give someone the opportunity to entertain themselves for a long period of time. The cocktails are great. That being said, I would always play the upright over the cocktail version. Yeah, I think the only two that we've heard... that have a mainstream support are the Miss Pack cocktail, mm-hmm. which everyone loves. And Tetris. Tetris, I mean, it's interesting because we've put all sorts of Tetris out and none of them have been particularly well played, mm-hmm. even though that is a really awesome puzzle game. But the Tetris cocktail, when we have it in the right place on the floor, used to crush. We've kind of moved it off to the side. It hasn't been as busy lately, but I think that Miss Pack and Tetris in cocktail form 
are like the ideal way to play because that it, it really really captures that one v one when you're sitting across from a friend, especially Tetris, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It flips the screen the for time. each one of y'all, and y'all are both playing. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, not only is it great coding, it's a, just a great cocktail experience. So then we get to the Tempest upright that we inherited. Never made it to the floor. Um, it was complete, really close. I think I got the game board working. Never got the monitor to display the screen. Absolutely, in 20 minutes, wherever this game is, I could probably fix it. It's in our warehouses somewhere. I just haven't looked at it because every Tempest I get a chance to buy, I buy. Every 6100 uh, Wells Gardner that I get a chance to buy, which is the modern Tempest, I buy. So, Am I the only one who, who cannot think of Tempest without thinking of Night of the Comet? I don't even know what Night of the Comet is. That is a terrible 80s zombie movie where the world ends (laughs) while this woman is playing Tempest in a movie theater. Nice. And she is spared because she's playing Tempest while everybody else is outside looking at, I think, Haley's Comet, which turns everybody into dust (laughs) and or zombies. Yeah, zombie invasion from the Comet. Yeah, now now I... Right, but Tempest saves her. A a stand-up Tempest. Which uh, looked like it was working well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, never got this one up, got the next one up. Um, could probably fix it, but we probably we own ten tempests now. Um, and you're that, good if the world ends then. Yeah, that and that's only we can all be saved. That only mm-hmm. scratches the surface of our 6100 games with Space Duel, Black Widow, Gravatar. Um, we have, I mean, we get some. Sometimes people ask us why we don't have more color vectors, but the truth is, we have a ton in the collection. It's just a hard balance to fit because well, those those color vectors are not exact. Tempest. You can easily pick up. Everyone knows play. Tempest. Right, you're gonna have fun. But the others, throw really, a black widow on the floor. Really more obscure. I mean, Gravatar. We had a whole monthly competition. Tough to get anyone going on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Two the color vectors in general. I mean, anyone who walks up, they think that it looks really cool, but they don't have the same pull as a lot of our other games. Uh, I guess maybe people find them less approachable for some reason, but. No matter how cool any of our color vector games are, unless they have a name draw like Tempest Star Wars. or Star Wars, they're they're not going to be played as much. Right. So the next three things on the list, which technically represent four th- four items, were the easiest to sell in the entire lot. I was gonna say peeking over at your. List. We don't have any of these anymore. <laughs> two vending machines, two. Wurlitzer jukeboxes. Mm. Um, Wurlitzer. Does it have an arm and a. Yeah, both of these nice. Wurlitzers were. I mean, we had a 2104, if you know, is the, one of the top ultra collectible. I think it's a 50s or early 60s jukebox. Exact with the arm. It was beautiful. We know was, very little about jukebox repair. Well, that was actually kind of where I learned a little bit. I now have jukebox in my house that I've had to rebuild from the ground up multiple times. So I have a pretty good idea. It's, it's actually just a simple music making device with an amplifier. But. Before you ever dig into these things, you have no clue. You just think it's like magic. You have no idea how it works until you try to figure it out. And these all had little minor issues and stuff. And these jukebox collectors, as soon as they hear the word Wurlitzer, as soon as they see 1950s, 1960s, they smell blood. They came in. They were bidding against each other. They were bidding against us. It was, I mean, we were just like, okay, we thought they were worth like $100. Next thing you know, we're selling them for $2,000, $3,000 a pop. And we probably got ripped off, but we'll never know because we were so excited to get that much money for them. <laughs> Quick question for my lawyer friend. Are jukeboxes in public places legal? Uh, so, ugh, that actually depends on the licensing that came with the 45s that you put in the jukebox. Okay. So if you put a 45, which is you know the, the yeah, small it's record, the, it's the, record. The, yeah. the single-sided song record, 
Um, if it was an original record that came with the license to play it in a public performance, you own the rights to play it. Uh-huh. So most of them did. Uh-huh. Um, and then it gets really more complicated when they started having those CD jukeboxes that you right. see. Because a lot of the operators were just going to, I don't know, Virgin Megastores and buying CDs and putting right. them in their jukeboxes. And that was technically illegal. And then it all gets weird. And now they have internet jukeboxes. Everything's the internet. Internet, sure. internet, internet. And then, and then they can just... just pay a portion to the oh well now, yeah now it's monthly subscription right. plus mm-hmm. you have to buy it's a it's a whole mess uh something you'll never see a free play just because it'd be a royal pain to set up now mm-hmm. a, a true 80s filled 45 jukebox would be really cool oh, it would be amazing but licensing and whatnot and mm-hmm. figuring all out would be impossible but in this lot they were easy money makers we got to get rid of we felt great about um we learned a little bit about them, vending machines, jukeboxes. It's an interesting world. Uh, and then the final game, which is the final game on just about every alphabetical list ever, mm-hmm. Zaxxon. We still have it. We used to be on the floor at Richardson. It's yeah. on the floor right now in Arlington. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great game. It's a weird game, but it's cool. I need to spend some time with it. Isometric 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, you never really know where you are on right. the level. You crash into stuff and you get mad. <laughs> the first um, time playing the the space portion, right after you've passed that first section, I had no idea how to hit any of those ships ever. It so took weird. me probably 20 games before I hit my first spaceship uh, on that portion of the game. No, I remember getting really excited when I would actually hit something <laughs> where mm-hmm. you're shooting at it and... Then you get past the first level, and then you're in space. Things are even worse. You can't see anything. You have no depth perception. Right. Um, interestingly a enough, gauge on the side. Maybe a better down. isometric, weird 3D game, Congo Bongo, that came out shortly thereafter. Same team created as a isometric uh, Donkey Kong kind mm-hmm. of really really cool game. Um, Sitting right over there. Right over there. Mm-hmm. Should be good to the floor soon. It won't get played as much as we'd hope, but it's really really cool. Um, and that completes the actual game list yeah! from Kelly Ray's That, that must be deal. all that you got in that. That's the entirety of... That is... Uh, Not even close. That oh, is, a, that is a good start into uh, <laughs> this list. But what we can kind of talk about... Uh, we've been doing this for like 62 hours mm-hmm. at this point. It's the most extensive, amazing arcade podcast that has ever existed... <laughs> Um, because we've been talking about stuff we've bought for hours and hours and hours. This is just one lot well, buy, like by we the can way. Just cut this into a thousand different. <laughs> talk so, about this this purchase. If and you then, watch this entire podcast, right, segment, please send us an email. Right, and segment let three us know. of every podcast is this. So I, this is what was really amazing about that deal. So Kelly Ray was trying to open an arcade at some point, mm-hmm. and like we know, and like we knew at the time, to open up an arcade, you need parts. And Massive you, quantity. You need thousands and thousands of dollars of parts. So his lot came with some parts. We were buying everything he had. Absolutely. Um, so in addition to 120, 130 games, we got parts, 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 parts. We still haven't even gone through all the parts we've bought, except to make this inventory list. So I'm going to just drill through the PCBs um, because it, it, it's kind of crazy. We had some bad stuff, some multi-cade boards, the 60-in-1s we had two of. A 9-in-1, which is actually an old version of the 60-in-1, um, before they were able to you know, throw on all those other games. Um, and we had an Alien Syndrome PCB. Still have mm-hmm. it. An Altered Beast PCB. Arch Rivals. Not worth anything, but still cool to have. 
Um, and Arkanoid Revenge of Doe, the second Arkanoid. Yep. Um, very cool. And extra bump and jump PCV. Why not a centipede? Seven Dig Dug boards. I mean, this is how crazy it was. Um, miscellaneous Defender boards. Probably six complete sets. Uh, just insanity. A Donkey Kong Jr. new old stock board, um, which we've never put in a game. Who knows what the actual value of that is? Because we, I mean, knock on wood, we'll never find out because eventually we'll just put that in some sort of game. But, I mean, his never been used. It's factory fresh. <sighs> Tonky hungry. Unbelievable. Um, and Amazing. Ur- and Urgies, which you'll have to go to Wikipedia to look up. Cool game. Um, and it is pronounced Urgies, I think. I don't know. An elevator action, a final Ooh. fight, five Galagas, a J-Rock multi-Williams, one of his original releases. This is J-Rock has done a ton of stuff in the arcade community. His multi-Williams is considered the top of the heap. And a lot of people have actually tackled these multi-Williams because Williams games are the original horizontal arcade games. Like the 16-1, 60 vertical games. They took all the original vertical releases and they crammed it onto one. The Williams games were all horizontal at first. I mean, until they did, like, Joust 2, which was a terrible failure, but rare game now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, you'll have the the J-Rock, which is, it's not even emulation. He put the original chips on the board, feeds the original code to him. Now, it technically, the paths they have to go through are a little shorter. The electricity is slightly different, but it's not even considered emulation, whereas there's the 19-in-1, which we had a few of those here, too. That's just your Super Mario Brothers slash all Williams game. True emulation. It's like the 16-1 version of the Williams. Um, I don't know where this J-Rock multi-Williams is, but that was rare. And that was an original, um, unbelievable version. A new old stock Neo Geo 1 slot. The sad story to this is, we just tested it out a couple weeks ago. We've owned it for years. It didn't even work. Nope. <laughs> brand new. This whole time. A brand new Neo Geo board. It just didn't work. Uh, we haven't tried to diagnose it. We have more, but it didn't even work. Um, uh, extra Outrun board, an extra Pingo board, an extra Cubert board. These are relatively expensive boards. Oh, yes. Now, here's an extra Robot Bowl board. This is a black and white game that hasn't existed forever. Um, there are so few copies out there, and then we had an extra board set. Um, we did not know that, I don't think, at the time when we fixed the other well, one. Oh, we kind of knew what Robot Bowl was, because we had one. Uh, a Rolling Thunder, a second run Rolling Thunder board, which is when they took the side art off, um, <laughs> and the gameplay was a little bit more stable, a little bit better. I believe, if I remember correctly, this Rolling Thunder board doesn't have sound, but that was only because it, it needed a sound amp in the second run. Um, this is We've owned this for years. We've never touched it. It's. I mean, this is how insane this deal was. Like, it was so overwhelming that we we are still scratching the surface. Even though we had 120, 130 games, even though we have all these boards, we're still getting to it. Uh, we had an extra Shinobi, an extra Sky Adventure, two extra Space Duels. Both Space Duels still at the my law firm sitting on a shelf somewhere. Um, Space Invaders, Space Invaders, Space Invaders, Space Invaders Two. I think one of those worked. And we're using it. It's true. I mean, we ended up needing it. Um, some random Street Fighter 2 boards, a Strider, a Tapper board set. And if I remember correctly, and it's not on here, we had like five Tron boards. Mm-hmm. And two of them worked. We still have two. Followed by the two Tigers boards, which are similar to Tron. Twin Cobra, WrestleMania, WrestleFest, Tapper boards. I mean, this was insane. I mean, and... 
we had no idea how insane it was because we, though we were into arcades, though we loved arcade games at the time, uh, we hadn't tried to, you know, build a collection. Mm-hmm. And now we've been doing it for years. We have what's been called the biggest retro arcade collection in the world. And if you include our parts, we definitely have the biggest retro arcade part collection in the world. Oh, absolutely! And, but and and we, we we far exceed what we've got in this lot. But it's this like, was a a good start to that collection and. Honestly, the Kelly Ray deal, it gave us the foundation for the parts that we needed to actually start free play. Um, And without it, I mean, it would have taken us a lot longer to start collecting all of the different pieces that we needed to fix all of the games that we have now collected over the years. Well, and so we just went through the boards. Like, I just turned the page and there's more parts. This is artwork. There was an Alien Syndrome control panel overlay, mm-hmm. Altered Beast Marquee, Arch Rival Marquee, and I don't know if you remember, we have a whole stack of these still in storage. We have a stack of glass bezels oh, yes. still in storage. Um, and it's it's going to, I mean, X-Men Cider, Baby Pac-Man art, everything, Berserk, Centipede, Discs of Tron, full mm-hmm. set. Oh, uh, beautiful. Double art. Dragon, Frogger. Full Court Frenzy. We don't even own a Full Court Frenzy. There wasn't even a Full Court Frenzy in this lot. Now we have the entire art collection for it. Galaga 3, Gapless, Galaga, Galaga, Galaga. I mean, uh, it can just keep going. We have a Journey control panel overlay. We have a Journey that needs a control panel overlay. But it's like, when do you ever find the time to put this much art on? It's (laughs) it's just insane. Um, And, I mean... We'll have to dig into this on the next podcast because this is we still have all of the not just the boards but the actual parts. Mm-hmm. We've got the rest of the artwork to go through. I mean, this is an insane buy, and then we'll get eventually to the part where we open an arcade. <laughs> uh, but we're not close there yet. I mean, this is part five, six, thirty <laughs> of this Kelly Ray deal, and uh, this is the Free Play Podcast, and we're going to keep on keeping on until we finish this. Till next time.